the games we played this week ea investigation or ea investigating allegations of employees selling rare fifa ultimate team cards tencent apologizes for sales of pirated games on its app in our community corner we had a follow-up to something submitted a couple of weeks ago rockstar pays ten thousand dollars to a modder who fixed gta online loading times and if time allows which we think it will this week we will have a steam discovery queue Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. What's shaking, Bacon? Uh, not too much. I'm going to have to fix a, a link because either I screwed up or you screwed up. Uh, what was screwed up? Uh, Tencent uh, uh, was going to the uh, GTA, but I've already fixed it. That might have been oh. me. Yeah, I just copy-pasted, so I'm, I'm blaming you for that one. I, I copy-pasted what you had put in the show notes. Well, simple. You you were projecting your screw up onto me <laughs> uh, through the astral plane. Oh, <laughs> whatever. Oh, damn it, Audacity! Let's turn my audio down again. <laughs> it keeps every. I I just have. To, I guess I just need to check it from now on. But every time we have recorded the last few weeks, I'll look and it's down to eighty six percent recording volume, and I don't use a hundred percent. But I do usually use, like, around 95% recording volume. I don't know why it keeps doing that. Fuck you, Audacity. For reasons. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that, that's a thing. That's a thing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what, I, I don't, what was doing it, but at one point on the old computer, uh, system sounds would just randomly mute itself. That's weird. And that got annoying. Partly because when I would it, use it to be able to tell uh, my controller it connected. And hey, Segway. So yeah. I didn't really get to play much or play much new. Uh, I'm still on my uh, Forza Horizon kick uh, and at Wreckfest. And a little bit of motorsport, but not enough to really talk about it just yet. Uh, but I finally got all the parts I needed to fix my controller so I could finally talk about the surgery. So... I've had my controller four or five years now. <laughs> it's one of the first versions of the DualShock uh, controller uh, before they did the revision. So that puts it, you know, in that sort of, uh, sort of range. And right. the DualShock uh, controllers, uh, they have an internal battery. They don't have a replaceable one or, you know, they don't use Aklons or have the option of using replace chargeables like the uh, Xbox controller. Uh, it's an internal battery, which has its pros and cons. And one of the major cons uh, of it is always it's been a very, very low capacity battery. Uh, something like a thousand milliamps. Something, I believe it's half of a double A <laughs> in capacity. Yeah, a thousand milliamps is pretty small. Uh, but it has enough charge for a decent play life. But the thing is that once that battery starts to go... Uh, that, yeah, somewhat decent turns into, uh, well, I've only been playing an hour and I'm already getting, uh, you know, indicators uh, that 
yeah, go charge. Not good. And I was starting to get there. Plus, I had other issues with my controller. Mainly the recharge, uh, uh, the charging deck on it was loose. It was still usable, but it was starting to get to the point where I had to like prop the controller up and angle the wire a certain way in order for it to connect properly. You know, obviously more trouble than what's worth and really needed to get replaced. So I did a little bit of research and found that the charging port is actually on its own little board and that the battery is replaceable with some issue. Much like keeping Craig in. Some issue. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Craig. Uh, The surgery was just too much. It was far too graphic. Oh, yeah. I guess Craig is squeamish. (laughs) At least we got all that sweet, sweet Franken content before we started the actual recording. Yeah, true. Thanks, Craig. Uh, So, I looked at some tutorials online and thought, you know, I could do this. I need to get a couple tools, uh, uh, primarily a a couple uh, spudgers to be able to hit clips. Because, of course, uh, you know, it's a modern uh, electronic, so there's uh, clips inside to be able to, uh, that's holding it together on top of screws. And you have to pop all those uh, to be able to to pull it apart. And this was going to be at least a week-long process because... Uh, with the uh, DualShock, even though I know about what model it is, uh, they constantly were changing that secondary board that I needed to swap out. And there were five different revisions and three of them in the version one of the controller or version one and version 1.5 or version two. Dep- depending on the site or person, they either have like version one, version 1.5, version two or Version 1, version 2, version 3. So, had to pull it apart before I could even get started. Well, fine, okay. Uh, start pulling it apart, and it is a very, very tight fit to be able to hit all those uh, switches in it. Because there's six around the perimeter, plus four screws in the back holding it together. And there was a lot of cussing. There was, a, a, a you know, uh, maybe a busted knuckle when I uh, slipped and, uh, hit, uh, you know, hit my hand. Uh, but eventually pulled it apart and didn't break anything, thankfully. And was able to order the replacement parts, the battery, which I actually... Uh, the third-party batteries, obviously, since this is last generation now, and they're not really making first-party stuff anymore. But uh, the DualShock controllers, they have enough of a following that there's third-party parts for them. Pretty easy to find as well. And because battery technology has uh, you know, progressed quite a bit, and let's admit it, Sony kind of cheaped out on the controller. Uh, you could actually get bigger batteries with the same dimensions to be able to have a longer battery life. So I did some shopping around, got the proper battery, and of course the battery had to be the proper one because in between the, the revision where they put the secondary light bar or the little mirror prism or whatever they're doing to shine part of the light bar over the touchpad. Uh, they changed a, a bunch of internals on it as well, because of course they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, had to get, figure out which battery to get. Got that. Uh, got one that's actually 1500 milliamps. So a 50% increase, which uh, the controller accepts. It's just, it shows percentages going down a lot slower. Yeah. Because it would be. And also looked at the uh, the secondary board and figured out which one uh, which version I had and ordered that part. Great. 
well, because the post office is being dumb, uh, was supposed to get it Thursday, ended up getting it Friday. So, okay. Uh, I'll work on it Saturday. Well, uh, swap out the battery, no problem. Swap out the, uh, the charging port, no problem. And it has the, a ribbon cable that connecting, uh, that connects the two. That's a real pain. I didn't realize that the replacement ribbon cables that came with the, the new charging port is actually longer. It would have saved me a lot of trouble, but, uh, at least I have two, uh, ribbon cables in case one breaks. Right. Right. So, uh, replace all those, power it up. Great. Everything looks like it's working. Start to try to put it back together and everything's not lining up correctly. Oh, right. Right. Uh, and it took me almost as long to pull it apart as it is, as it did to put it back together. And this was including a couple times, you know, nearly getting it all back together and having one clip that just didn't want to clip. Uh, and you know, did a little bit more research and saw that there was a certain order that the clips had to reconnect. Otherwise it would slip out of alignment. Well, get it back together again. And notice that, okay, well, one uh, triggers all right. The other one is very spongy feeling. So I start to do a little bit more research and find out that over the years, my springs had broke in the controller as well. And I, and because it's just been a slow thing, I never really noticed just how spongy the triggers were getting until one spring had completely slipped out of where it was. Uh, they, they weren't really broken. They were just bent over. And had lost their springiness. So there were sprungs. <laughs> Spring sprung. So uh, I looked at that, looked at uh, some uh, uh, teardown videos online of the triggers and saw, okay, one, my triggers, they are supposed to stay on the bottom or on the front half of the controller. But because there's no tension on them, uh, they pull away whenever the controller is pulled apart. And that was causing part of my issue taking the damn thing apart in the first place and putting it back together because uh, they were just getting in the way. Uh, the way they were supposed to stay is they were supposed to, uh, between the tension and the uh, the axis on them, or the axle right. on them, uh, they are supposed to stay on the bottom and they kind of feed through the uh, upper shell or the back shell, I should say. But they weren't doing that properly. So that was part of my issue of getting the controller apart in the first place. Right. But, okay, great. Need to order springs. Need to figure out which ones and then figure out how to put them in because they're little tiny bastards. And I showed you what the, the spring looked like and how bent it was. Yeah. So that was another several days and eventually got the springs and went ahead and ordered a bigger pack because I knew, you know, a couple were going to sail off into the void and they did. So, yeah, you know, I gave up the, yeah, the spring sacrifice to the gods. Right. It's much like the blood sacrifice only with springs. Yeah, uh, sent a couple uh, sailing off. Eventually got the springs in the proper place. It, it took a little bit of learning the technique to... Basically, you had to kind of squeeze them together, hook them down onto this little peg, release one into uh, get it into the channel of the controller, and then push the other <laughs> uh, into the trigger. It was wacky and with my big sausage like fingers a bitch but eventually got it together <clears throat> and first try trying to get the controller to snap back together it snapped together without a single issue control uh triggers felt fine powered it up it went into my software that i used to uh remap all the controls 
check my uh, feed uh, on uh, positioning on everything. Everything looked good, and it's working perfectly again. And it felt so damn good to actually get it to work. Right. Nice. And I do appreciate getting the Steam Controller from you, but, you know, kind of missed my DualShock. Right. I See, that's the thing that I had with the Steam Controller. It's like, I would use it, and like, oh, this is nifty. And, you know, sometimes I liked it, and sometimes I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. But I was always like, man, I just want to use my Xbox controller. Well, well, here's the thing, is that if I didn't if I didn't use the the handbrake in racing games, I would use it uh, quite a bit in racing. Because, you know, the, the pedals on the back are the, you know, the extra buttons that can be remapped. Just use those to shift gears. But because of right. where that, uh, you know, uh, the face buttons are on it, if I need to hit the handbrake to be able to you know, power slide around a corner or, you know, uh, to, you know, try to slow down because I'm, you know, overshot the turn, uh, it just was too far out. Far out, man. Sorry. Couldn't help myself. No, you're not. You're right. I'm not sorry, but I, I definitely couldn't help myself. Yeah, because you have, uh, you know, several uh, uh, ticks and quirks. You, you should see a psychiatrist <laughs> about that. I probably should. Wouldn't hurt. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, sit in your office uh, with a mirror. So how does that make you feel? <laughs> I do that sometimes when I need to, like, process through some things. I'll sit and have a conversation with myself. Like, yeah, that's some weird shit. I mean, that lady, the raccoon head. <laughs> raccoon head in a jar. She's cool. I love her. She's <laughs> one of my favorite people. Yeah, I saw something that made me think of her. Uh, popped up on Reddit of uh, a couple of weeks ago. Squirrel head on a butt plug. <laughs> I saw that. I definitely saw that. Uh, what can I say? I, I saw that and thought, you know, Jared's Klein would probably be all over that. <laughs> Indeed. Or it would be all up inside her. And how does that make you feel? <laughs> uh, it makes Unclean, me feel like I, I think I've said about all I need to say about this. Glad to have my controller up in working fashion. Probably the next uh, surgery on that would actually be on the uh, on the chat pad in a few years. Although I'm not sure how repairable it is, but would definitely try it. Yeah, I just had a thought about the uh, from Forrest Gump of the many times it's like that's all I have to say about that. Well, thank you, you Forrest. Forrest Gump. <laughs> I don't know if you think that's a good thing or not, but anyways, all right, my turn, my turn. Uh, I don't know how much I have to say about this. The game, the only game that I can, that I played this week that I can or have played enough to really talk about, um, is Absolute Drift. Because I've been playing a lot of other games that, you know, I have discussed previously over the last few weeks, and then playing Far Cry for Game Club. And it's, it's not Game Club time yet, so. Um, but I, I, I don't know when Epic gave this away. This was one of the giveaways that they have done over the last year. Um. You can get it on Steam, probably other platforms as well. Uh, I don't know if it's on console or not, but and on PC, like you can get it from lots of places. Um, but anyways, Absolute Drift is a sort of a dual stick drifting game. Um, it is a uh, I don't know if, if this would count as more isometric. I, I think more isometric than just top down, but it's a top down pseudo open world drifting slash racing game that is 
a whole lot of fun. Um, you uh, are, are drifting, obviously, uh, as well, the title the and discussion implies. Hey. Um, and it, it, it handles drifting mechanics very well. Um, they're, it's sort of an easy to learn, difficult to master the way that it's set up. The drifting feels very smooth. It feels very much like someone played quite a few good uh, simulator games on that simulate drifting, or maybe even has some experience in real life. It was like, yeah, okay, I can translate this to a twin stick kind of game environment. Um, and the part of it that's, that's really interesting that like makes the game unique or stick out is the sort of open world-ish elements to it. It's not open world in the sense of like, all right, here's a big map, just go whatever. But it is open world in that there is a map that you can progress through and unlock different or new areas. And in order to unlock and advance the next area, you have to complete a certain number of challenges or get enough points. Um, kind of think of it like almost like stars, like you have to get enough star ratings to unlock the next area. And you can do that by either just completing challenges in the open world. Like um, there are some simple ones, a, a lot of simple ones that are like drift between these two things and it'll kind of be written on the ground or the sky or, you know, somewhere nearby the things that you need to drift between. And there'll be different colors, like red, red, reds and yellows and blues, like very distinct colors against the uh, plain sort of grayscale background um, that the whole, the, the rest of the world is. And there'll be two objects that are like red, for example. And so you will drift between the two of them at, um, you know, initially just by drifting. Later on, they get more specific at like a steep angle or you have to get close enough to a thing and there'll be like a little zone where you have to actually drift through um, that zone um, in order for it to count. Or there will be jumps or there will be, um, you know, do a, a certain trick or get through this area without clipping the wall. And it, you know, you'll have to drift through the area. <clears throat> There's also specific challenges. Uh, a lot of the ones that are in the early game are really more tutorials that are teaching you the mechanics of the game. Um, and it'll be just like a big circle track and you'll have to drift around the circle and score as high a multiplier as possible. And, you know, you only have to get like maybe 10,000 points to get the sort of the star for it. But there are bonus objectives within that that give you a higher number of like completion stars to unlock the next area and things like that. So it's it's very freeform in what it what you need to move to advance. Like I haven't gotten super far in it. I played it for two three hours. <clears throat> I don't actually know how how long the game is, but I unlocked a couple of different areas. In it at least in the early game, you don't have to like you know quote unquote three star everything. Like you don't have to do you know be the absolute best to unlock the next area. Um, the, For example, the first area you unlock after doing the little tutorial bits, you only need to complete five things, um, five little challenges, and there are three open world challenges and then like three events where you can get multiple uh, completion points for. So you don't even have to do all of them if you didn't want to to unlock the area, but you could, and I was compelled to to do so. Um, because it's fun. I had, a, I had a lot of fun with it. There's some basic customization you can do for your car in terms of colors and some paint jobs, but it's, it's a very minimalist art style and they don't do anything that really overpowers the, the minimalism there. There's some nice 
contrasting colors. The palette is fairly simple, but it's beautiful and in the way that minimalism can be. Um, the soundtrack is great. Um, I, I find the soundtrack fairly relaxing, although there are some upbeat tracks. But the soundtrack itself, in in my sort of opinion, was just very relaxing and helped me be sort of in the zone, which I assume is what they're going for based on what the type of game that it is. But it's a lot of fun. You can play it keyboard only. There's no mass support other than for menus, like the main menu. But definitely you should play this game with a controller. I, I tried it out with a keyboard just to see what it was like. And it's playable, and if I had no other option, I, I feel like it was responsive enough and didn't suffer so much from the binary nature of keyboards and other driving games. I, I think the fact that it's drifting and you spend a lot of time just kind of being hard-cornered left or right anyways maybe helps with that. But it doesn't do any weird sort of acceleration um, that some games do if you're using uh, keyboard only, like... Uh, steering wheel acceleration like it doesn't do anything like that um it's just binary left and right and that that seems to work pretty well but i mean definitely having a controller is better most honestly for that the throttle control is more important than the steering control because you don't always want to be full throttle or nothing when drifting power control is a huge way that you can maintain a drift and so Definitely getting through the first couple of areas with the keyboard were no issue for me. I did that within like 30 minutes. And then I was like, okay, I have to switch over to controller. And it made a big difference. This is this is a game you definitely want to, to use a controller for if you have one. So, But I mean, Absolute Drift goes on sale all the time to buy it from Steam or, or whatever. Um, I don't know what its historic low price is. I mean, right now you can buy it for 12 bucks. Um the th- the fact that it was given away by Epic Games kind of ruins the historical minimum from Steam. <clears throat> what is it, the Steam Advanced plugin or whatever? Um, so I I don't know what its actually lowest cost has been on one fifty five. Okay, so yeah, less than two dollars. I mean, in this game is I I think pretty that this sure game I is bought probably, it that. Okay, I know I, I feel it, like this uh, game ages ago. Yeah, I think I, that's the price point I paid. Yeah, I feel like this game is easily worth like five or six bucks. If you like this sort of thing, I think it's probably worth the full price. Um, it's not super graphically intense, and neither was it super hardware intense. Um, although I don't have really a low uh, benchmark to measure things against, because I used to use my laptop, but now my laptop is a gaming laptop with a good specs. So I don't, I don't have anything to benchmark this against as like a low-performance system. But I would imagine that it would work fairly well on... Um, anything that's got half decent CPU performance with integrated graphics. Like I feel like you could probably get 30 frames easy on that. And while definitely I'm a big fan of, you know, the more FPS you get, the better. I think this game would be pretty, pretty well played at, at 30. So if you've got a a budget system, I'm pretty sure anything's North of a toaster would be able to play this. Look in the system specs. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes though those can be deceiving. Processor 2.2. Two uh, gigahertz uh, dual core, two gigs two of gigs memory. Of RAM. Yeah, of RAM. Oh, sorry. Uh, two gigs of. Uh, well, okay. Uh, yeah, two gigs of RAM, five hundred twelve megs of uh, video RAM, and three hundred megs. Uh, or sorry, three hundred fifty megs of storage space, and that's yep. it. Yep. It doesn't say anything about specific graphics card recommendations, but that kind of makes my point, I guess. 
uh, that just anything with a decent, you know, decent enough specs with an iGPU can can handle it. So I pretty much have could run Doom. <laughs> right. Yeah, it looks like it was also in a humble bundle. Uh, it was tier one, so technically the historic low would be one dollar. Right. But it's it's good. I would recommend it to anybody, really. Um, and just depending on how much you're into this type of game would be what price point to get into. But definitely it's worth a couple of bucks on a, a good Steam sale for anybody. And then the more you like this type of game, you know, the more that I think that it would be okay to pay for it. And definitely if you love these types of games, like full price, like it's worth it. There's plenty of content here. And it's it's a solid game. I like it. Two thumbs up. I might have to look at their sequel. Their sequel is a rally racer. Uh, it's on the Mac wish list, so I think it popped up on Discovery Q at some point. But- I was going to say, like, I've seen the sequel, and that's kind of what made me want to to play the original. But it looks like it also it kind of mixes uh, Rally with a bit more drifting as well. But also, whatever, uh, I'm watching the trailer for it, and there's parts where you have to kind of go in between some uh, obstacles, but also the crowd has kind of gotten in the way. So, yeah, it's interesting looking. But, uh, but it's an- not $25 interesting looking, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. There's another one of these that I have I heard about the other day. I haven't seen it, but it's like a drifting game like this, but it's a puzzle game. So, like, doing the puzzles determines, like, how good you can drift or something? I don't I don't quite know, but I, I heard about it. I haven't looked it up yet. Yeah. But I, I have not played that, so I probably shouldn't keep talking about it. But, yeah, that's... Uh... That's the only game that I played this week that I can talk about. So, well, you don't want I to talk about disconnecting it... Forza. <laughs> no, I mean you talked about Forza Four last week or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, and I mean I, I installed it and we tried to play it Sunday, but for some reason every time we were doing a race it would disconnect us. Like we could hang out together in the open world, and we did a Forzathon, but. I mean, I still really enjoy Forza, but I haven't put much, like, enough time into it to explore any of the new features and talk about it from my own perspective. So, the only thing I've done, really, is the seasonal stuff and getting back used to the game after have not, not having played for a couple of years. I did have a, an issue, like, getting my new graphics settings worked out, because I've, I've had a, a, an upgrade since I played it last, so I was trying to hone in on my new graphic settings because um, I'm I could max out the game and keep the game above 60 FPS like I could max out all the graphic settings and but I, I'm I'm a frame rate guy so if I have to choose between frame rate or graphical fidelity I pick frame rate and so I was trying to get it looking as pretty as possible but still staying above 120 yeah FPS. see the thing is that uh, I just have a 60 hertz monitor so yeah as long as I can hit 60 it's fine yeah, I'm I'm somewhere between the high and ultra presets, so it's I mean honestly even on like because pre- before I was like in the high preset with it pegged at like sixty, uh, so it, it looks better than it did before and runs better. Yeah, I'm so. running almost the full ultra. I just have motion blur turned off and a, I have uh, anti aliasing turned down a bit. Yeah, I can I can run the full ultra and keep it above sixty, but I'd rather have. More than well, I just I just hate motion blur. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I I turn motion blur off for everything except like flight games. 
Sometimes I'll leave it on for racing, but I've got it turned off in Forza Horizon. But yeah, mo- motion blur. No bueno. It makes me sick and disoriented to have motion blur on in games. I think most games just way overdo motion blur. Well, you don't like looking like it has Vaseline on the screen? No, if I want to put Vaseline on my vision, I'll call up that hooker. Is this the one with the raccoon head? Wink. No comment. But yes. And now I'm thinking of Alton Brown because uh, Anita and I watch his uh, stream every week. And mm-hmm. they have a taxidermied squirrel that they got at Goodwill uh, that's just hanging around in their living room. <laughs> and he's joked a couple times about making a, a peanut dispenser. Nice. Or a chocolate peanut dispenser. <laughs> I would love dispenser. that, actually. That would be awesome. Um, all right. Well, let's move on uh, from games we played. Doing the news. Oh, boy. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So um, this one is fun. Uh, EA investigating allegations of employee selling rare FIFA Ultimate Team cards. Yeah. The people online have been calling this EA Gate because everything has that gate. And it's too yeah. late now to try to change it. So. Yep. I saw this pop up on uh, the uh, on the Twitter uh, uh, trending, and I was trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And then I saw the actual news reports about it. And uh, is it wrong that my first uh, uh, response was, "Of course, no." Uh, this isn't something that I really had thought of, but thinking about it, it doesn't surprise me that. Something like this uh, could and uh, obviously did happen, where yeah, someone that has uh, some sort of uh, now, as far as we know, EA has not released who it is and uh, done any disciplinary action towards them yet. They still are in the investigation phase of things. So, someone with the ability to grant players through uh, the EA recovery system uh, for you know, accidentally deleting cards and that sort of thing, started contacting high-ranked uh, FIFA players saying, hey, you want a couple really rare cards? It'll just cost you a few thousand bucks. And yep. the state of FIFA's competitive uh, dream team, build a team loot box bullshit is where someone randomly contacted you and saying, yeah, you could have uh, uh, a few uh, really rare, powerful cards. Um, you just, uh, just send me a, th- a few thousand bucks. It's actually a good enough deal that people bought into it. Yeah. It's a better deal than, than trying to win them the quote unquote legitimate way. I'm doing quote unquote over the round the word legitimate because this is all bullshit anyways. Yeah. Oh, that's where that link went. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm fixing the show notes as we go along. So it, it just it, it boggles the mind the prices of these. And uh, EA is uh, launching a thorough investigation to try to figure out what has gone on. Uh, just to give you an idea, one example, this is quoting the GameIndustry.biz article, uh, link in the show notes, uh, shows an offer of three prime icon moments, uh, ones that mark a particular game or tournament that was particularly special to the featured footballer, and two Team of the Year cards 
for 1,000 euros. Euros. Wow, right? I don't know what the current conversion rate is for euros. Uh, I'm, dollars, I'm doing that so. one right now. It is $1,189.78. Yep, so close enough to say 1200 bucks. Yeah, for five cards. Yep. Another one offers three moments and two team of the years for 1700 euros. These cards are incredibly rare when obtained via random uh, player packs and usually purchased uh, in the FIFA Ultimate te- That's usually purchased in the FIFA Ultimate Team. And mind you, this is buying direct power as well because typically these cards grant incredibly powerful players in a very competitive team mode that rolls over from year to year to year. Yeah. So it's thinking about this. It's crazy, huh? It it is crazy. And and I think that uh, honestly like the example I'm going to talk about in real like card collecting and stuff feels crazy to me as well. But there is something to be said for like physically having something like rare gives it more intrinsic value. Well, it's not just that, and, but But it's like these it's if you have the physical object, uh you're able to redeem some value later on by selling it. It's not, you know, as soon as the next version of Magic the Gathering comes out, that super rare card you got is not, you know, suddenly not worth the cardboard it's printed on. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't I don't know very much about sports and I don't follow sports very much, but someone on a podcast that I listen to does, and there was something going on with Michael Jordan cards recently, which anyone who doesn't know who Michael Jordan is, either you're more under a rock about sports or than I am, in which case I'd like to cozy up down there, or you're a Zoomer. Yeah, I was going to say, and, or they're yo, <laughs> uh, under like the age which of is, 20. Which, yeah, which is fine. I'm an old curmudgeonly man, and you, you enjoy being... Uh, go watch the documentary while Space you can. Jam. <laughs> oh, and observe the size of Lola Bunny's tits, and then comment about it on the internet. That's a whole other thing that happened this past week. That I'm not going to talk about right now because I'm going to I'm going to talk about my original point. <laughs> but anyways, there's a thing going on right now with Michael Jordan that like a, a lot of his cards are super duper rare. Like there were some some packs that were found with like or not some packs but like some unopened boxes or something that were found in a warehouse and people were paying like two thousand dollars for an entire box of cards just hoping to get like one of these Michael Jordan like special edition like rookie cards or something like that and that seems ludicrous to me like it's within the same realm that the big difference being like you have these physical objects and they can be resold and so that's what people are doing like buying these boxes for however much thousands of dollars if they get the rare cards turning around and selling just the cards to recoup their money and then some and if you don't get it, like, you can still, like, if you're a fan of those types of things, you could create stuff with them, you know, displays or shadow boxes or some type of, you know, collage or whatever. Like, there's a lot of things or that you even can do just, artistically. Even if you didn't get the Michael Jordan, you know, buying a box of cards, you know, you're typically going to get something of worth in there. Yeah. And, and those prices are lining up with these digital cards, but there's... You can just, the the developer can just flip a switch at any time, making your already worthless purchase worth even less. Because if they change the drop rates on some of this stuff for the rarity, because it's all digital and not intrinsically tied to a type of production run. Well, it's not even the drop rates. They could change the stats themselves. We've seen this in Hearthstone. 
where cards that were very rare and powerful suddenly weren't worth the ones and zeros they were printed on because they changed how the ability works or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. It just, like, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. And honestly, I don't believe that this is the first time that this has happened. Oh, yeah. I just think this is the first time somebody's got caught. Yeah. I I think, wasn't there some talk about this happening over the course of years and this just really is coming to a head? Uh, I haven't heard anything about it happening over the course of years. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. I expect that it has been going on for multiple games. And then somebody... My guess, and this isn't mentioned in the article at all, but I, you know, I think somebody somewhere got a little upset about something and let, you know, let a piece of information leak. It's like, you know, well, fine, you know, I'm going to take my ball and go home and like bring this all down on top of all of you. Yeah, particularly it doesn't it's kind of weird how it all suddenly came out instead of, you know, like bits and pieces like this normally would have. So that makes me think that, yeah, uh, this is like the house of cards. You know, someone uh, got upset or maybe just couldn't afford it anymore. And they were jacking up the prices because, right? Yeah. And because they couldn't afford it anymore. Well, fine. Then nobody can have it. But yeah, the, if I can't have it, nobody but can. But the fact that we don't even know the drop rate of these cards. We just know that some of them or all the cards that are mentioned, all the iconic moment team of the year whatever are all sub one percent drop rate which is a completely meaningless stat because that could be one in a hundred one in a thousand one in ten thousand or one in a million or you know even more it could just more yeah and that just comes all the way back around to how this should be regulated where you should know your odds you should have a good idea of what you're getting into instead of seeing oh well uh you know uh, less than one percent. Well, okay, one, uh, one in a hundred. Great, let's go. Yeah, but that also uh, starts to get into how statistics really isn't taught. So uh, you have, uh, well, that would kind of bring the lottery down, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, and then the sort of that thing about how humans can't uh, comprehend like massive, gigantic numbers. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for tiny, infinitesimal numbers. Like we can we can kind of fathom like one percent, like okay, one out of a hundred. We probably could even that fathom like one in a thousand. But beyond that, it it just becomes number soup to our brains. Yeah. And it's you know, like the scale between one one thousandth and one ten thousandth is uh I was gonna say enormous. That's not entirely correct since we're talking about small things, but you know, on a if you put it on like a linear mathematical scale, the distance between those things would be vast. But you know, we just can't comprehend that. Yeah, because our stupid monkey brains never had to really deal with that until yeah, right? Yeah. So you know, you just hear less than one percent, and you're like, well, you know, somewhere between one in a hundred and one in a thousand. I, I can handle those odds. And it could be, you know, like we just said, one in a million, one in a billion. One in a trillion. Like, and they don't have to disclose those odds. So we have no idea. Yeah. And they could the, say there's a chance, but make it so rare that basically there's no and chance. And with the amount of packs that they sell, it could be one in a hundred thousand. And you'd still see YouTubers and uh, Twitch uh, streamers pulling them because they're buying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of packs. 
that's where this comes from before mm-hmm. where that they were where that um streamers and YouTubers that were doing this were opening card packs and stuff for other games were having the the drop rates adjusted for them specifically. I that's I think yeah, where they, remember where they the remember the CS:GO controversy a while back. Yes. The uh, yes. Uh, uh the well this was the gambling site but uh where uh the owner of the site was doing their the YouTube video pretending not to own the site and adjusting the numbers in his favor. Yep. I remember that. That was like what 2 years ago? Yeah, something like Three that. We ago? should look in and see if there's any updates on that. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it's the same kind of idea. You don't know that what these numbers are and how they're influenced. And there could also be some sort of, uh, you know, kind of gotcha moment where, okay, you have a long drought while suddenly the numbers increase ever so slightly to get that dopamine hit of, oh, well, I got something cool. Well, obviously I'm on a hot streak now. Let's get keep going, right? Yeah. And games do that all the time. Like XCOM... I think is the one that's most sort of famous for doing this, but lots of strategy games will adjust your hit rates, but it's like, cause it, you know, to make you feel good. So if you're missing a bunch of shots, you know, it, it will give you, you know, give you a, give you a freebie. And then it might do the same to you in the other way. Like if you're hitting a ton of stuff, it might make you miss a shot. That's supposed to be like a really high hit percentage. Yeah. Shots. It's like yeah, a balance. XCOM, uh, yeah. 95% uh, point blank range with a shotgun. Yeah, and it does a Looney Tune, uh, you know, outline around the alien, right? Yeah, but I mean, loot loot boxes and the, you know drop rates could be doing that as well. Like somebody you know puts enough coins in the slot machine, and it gives you a you know a little bit of a gimme to like give you that dopamine hit, and and so that you'll keep going. The very what is that? I mean, it's a psychology thing. Variable frequency rewards. Or variable frequency conditioning, mm-hmm. I think is what it's called. And it's whether you train someone or something. Uh, like uh, this, uh, the Skinner it, box. Yes. The, this was done with uh, birds, pig- I think pigeons or doves in the Skinner box, where that they trained them to sort of always expect a reward and then would vary up when they would actually get the reward. And, and birds would start doing weird little rituals because they would notice that they would get rewards sometimes and then copy the thing that they were doing to try to get the same reward and they would slowly develop these rituals over time of like spinning around or dancing or whatever before pushing the button to get the treat because they thought that's what they had to do to get it and instead it was just a variable frequency reward rate superstitions they exist Mm -hmm. in animals as well i mean i guess we are animals too but more intelligent animals whatever well sometimes i uh you know dispute that claim (laughs) <laughs> the intelligence bit for sure uh, especially uh, how uh, lately i've been on facebook oh i've i've been avoiding facebook like the plague <laughs> for a few days but yep okay uh let's uh let's move on to our next news topic uh tencent apologizes for sales of pirated games on its app yeah this is kind of a, a little bit of ironic isn't it because uh, okay, this is going to sound a little racist, but let's go for it anyway. The Chinese have not been exactly known for their honoring of uh, intellectual property. Oh, no, that's not racist. <laughs> that's a fact. The Chinese government on more than one occasion has stolen copyright, trademark, and um, patent uh, patents 
and copied them and then not dealt with the the legal consequences like a number of companies like the thing that comes to my mind is like mini and this is just because i watched top gear so much for so long but uh mini had their car like they licensed it to to some chinese company to build and they basically just stole it and made their own and then mini tried to sue them and china was like nah i guess it was bmw i think bmw owns mini and in china was just like nah dog we're not doing that <laughs> you're not gonna sue sue them yeah and but like, it does sound racist if you don't know the context that's the thing yeah, that's true. So Tencent has this app called Sina, Sina, uh, where users could build essentially digital storefronts. And people were using shared Steam accounts to sell pirated <laughs> games on it because, of course, right? Yeah, of course. It's just wackiness. But hey, if you build it, the pirates will come, right? Yeah. So China. Yeah. All right, go ahead. <laughs> did we talk? I can't remember if we talked about this or if I heard it somewhere else. The this the specific Chinese Steam uh, platform, not directly. Okay. But so yeah, China has their own segregated Steam these days. China, yeah, China makes it really difficult to to sell games in China that aren't developed by Chinese companies, and you can do it, but they make it difficult. And so I think that this is interesting, like, like that people are, are seeing that and taking advantage of it to sell pirated games to people. And I'm not saying that's the only reason why that this is happening, but like one of the main, like there will always be people who pirate your stuff, who either do it because they can or because they genuinely have no income or, or whatever. But time and time again, we've seen like people will pay for something if it's cheap enough and or convenient enough and when you make things difficult for people they will find ways around your system and this is kind of like a little bit of column a and a little bit of column b in in the way that you know one of the ways that i'm interpreting it is like there's this hole that has been created by the way that china approaches imports well even uh, you know even third or even uh imported games from the way i understood uh, from other or the way people have talked about uh, having to deal business in china you essentially have to license to a third party that makes a Chinese game in sarcasm quotes, uh, even if it's never you know they have any direct involvement outside of being essentially a shell company. It's just a lot of weirdness. Yeah. But the way this worked is kind of fascinating to me. So I'm just going to read the article verbatim because it's wow. So okay, so. The pirates on the QQ Accelerator Act, which was uh, Tencent's uh, uh, thing, uh, released a statement on uh, the regarding its uh, QQ Accelerator app. That's what it's actually called. Uh, uh, what I called it before was the uh, Chinese news platform, China. Sorry, I got those two backwards. Uh, weren't actually selling Steam keys. Rather, they were selling access to a shared Steam account that owned the game. Once a user had bought access to an account, they could switch their account to offline mode and enjoy the game without any uh, kind of online check being performed to ensure ownership. Tencent's QQ Accelerator app is designed to help players make their games run smoother, but it's possible for users to create storefronts of their own, which is how these uh, shared Steam accounts were discovered. 
So essentially what they were doing was mass buying games, putting up access to the store or to that account on their store, which violates the Steam terms of service, at least in the US, and then telling them, okay, now go to offline mode so uh, you can enjoy the game and we can resell the account again. I mean, it's just a fascinating way to do it as well, because it kind of bypasses the whole uh, issue that, of Steam keys that's been you know, popping up every so often. Yeah. It's quite literally the shared accounts. And because it's all localized into China, it can be like Steam is seeing uh, the same account pop up, uh, you know, in a bunch of different countries. Especially if it's, you know, takes a bit for any particular account to come up again because it could be somebody traveling. Never mind the COVID, but still, right? Right. Well, I, is China still in like a serious state of lockdown? Uh, I, I honestly haven't been paying too much attention it, to the no, world. No, actually. At least last I heard. I could be mistaking on that one, though. I mean, I, you know, for all of the, the <laughs> oh, that, negativity that comes from China oh, and their government, like, when it comes to shit like this, they can just handle it. Oh, my brain. I, I, okay, so I started to type, is China still locked down? And, you know, uh, and I'm using Firefox when I record. Uh, and it does the auto fill in. First one, is China a country? <laughs> Okay. Ow. Uh, is China socialist? Is China in Asia? <laughs> is China a developed country? Is China buying land in Oklahoma? What? I mean, let's be real here. Probably. No, Why not? the show companies. <laughs> oh, that made me think of, very, of a very specific interaction I've had with people in one of my tabletop games. Shell company. Gotta get Mac in here. <clears throat> no one will get that except for the two people who listen to this show that also play Vampire the Masquerade. I guess technically, since it's the Kane character voice is Bat, uh, the Star Wars guys might get it, but... Looks like some of it's dying locked down, but others are... Uh, Wuhan looks like it's returned to normal life. But then again, they also, yeah, went into pretty harsh lockdowns, you know, unlike the US, right? Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, there there are definitely pros and cons to every decision that you make, but damn it, when you have a massive global pandemic, lockdowns are should just be a no-brainer. That's the thing. People here bitch and mud about having to wear a mask, and they couldn't get their fucking hair cut, but they could still go to the grocery store. I saw a video on Reddit the couple of days ago about somebody being arrested for not wearing a mask. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. Oh, just Schadenfreuder. Yeah. It was so good. <laughs> so nice. It's like, yeah, get arrested for not wearing that mask. What are you going to do? Arrest me? Well, now that you mention it, <laughs> right? This will this will be interesting though to see how it plays out. Um, I mean, I don't expect anything to happen. Ten cent stock dropped. Uh, I wonder if it was in response to this specifically. Let me go look. Um, I watch I watch ten cent because it's just something that I. You know, it's, it's a stock related to tech and gaming that I know. So, I, I watch it. Not it looks like it, it, this isn't just a uh, Tencent issue. This is just Tencent uh, apologizing. But it happens elsewhere in China as well, because of course it does. Right. Uh, people are suggesting that you should buy Tencent. For 10 cents? Um, Currently, one share of Tencent is $81.65. Oh, wait till it drops the dime. 
uh, let's see, historically over the last year, it has grown fairly steadily. A year ago today, it was worth $44.50. Five years ago today, it was worth $20.52. So it's grown by about 400% if you were invested five years ago. Yeah, but if you invested a year ago, right? Yeah. But uh, th- but then again, tech stock, gaming stock, right? Yeah. Can you imagine if you uh, bought in uh, on GameStop right before the shenanigans happened? Oh my god, the GameStop shenanigans are still going on. I know. What's GameStop at right now? Let's see. I still refuse to invest in GameStop. Like, you could have bought back in a couple, couple three mm-hmm. weeks ago at like... I don't know, like the $40 mark or so. It's at 207 according to what I see. Uh, looks like that was its... Oh, no, its market high today was $218? $219? So, I mean, you look at the five-day, and it's just all over the place. It's Oh, yeah, it's up and down all over the place. Uh, right now, it's marked as a 0% buy. I mean, plenty of people are still buying it, and like, good for them for... You know, playing the lottery if they win big, but can you imagine it's, buying? It's the, just too. Can you imagine buying it as a joke a year ago uh, for like seventeen bucks? I mean, it got down to like two dollars or three dollars at one point. Looks like at its lowest, it was like three. Oh no, two eighty. I can't zoom in on on this tracker, but it looks like it, it was down to you know around two between two fifty and three dollars. Uh, two dollars fifty-seven peak, cents. Okay, I don't know so, yeah, when it was, sold at the but peak. uh, uh, Google says that one. So, but it looks like it's yeah. pr- was probably about a year ago. But it it barely broke ten bucks uh, in November when you know the shenanigans started. Yeah, and you definitely could still make some money on it, but I'm just not gonna risk that. Not one? gonna do that. I'm not gonna touch that one. I'm uh, I I invested a bit more. Like I had I I grow, grew my portfolio and I'm like, okay, I think I kind of get this well enough to actually play with a a decent amount of money. So I I dropped an extra $500 in my account and have started trading it, but I'm not going to put any money in GameStop. Maybe I'll regret that in 6 months, but you know, I'm 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 fairly risk averse. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll take some risks, but I want to at least, you know, feel like I have a chance of of actually coming out on top. Yeah, and not having to deal with all the memes. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so currently, I'm invested in AMD, General Electric, uh, something called Pington Marine Enterprises. It's a Chinese agricultural company. Um, and then Ford. Any soybean farms? No soybean farms, no. Uh, see, that's where the real mar- money is. <laughs> I thought about it. There was a soybean farm that I had messed around with uh, back when I made that joke. And I I got out on top. I made money on that. But they uh, have gotten their stock value up to almost $2. So if I'd stuck with it, I would have made more money. Where is it? Here we go. Sundial Growers. Oh, man, their, st- their stock plummeted today. Oh, bah, bah, bah. From one seventy five to fifty two cents. Well, time to ride them back up, right? Yep, yep. It's an Th- aftermarket trade. 
Uh, throw him a couple bucks. How much buying power do I have available on my account? $89. That's a lot stonks. of soybeans. Stonks, stonks, stonks. I'm going to buy 10 shares just for shits and giggles. Keep this up and uh, you're going to get some beans mailed to you. <laughs> right? <clears throat> Let's see. I don't, I don't understand because this is one thing I don't understand because this is a Chinese. Oh, no, this is Canadian. Never mind. Okay. I was going to say, even the Chinese companies that I've looked at, like, they operate on the United States Stock Exchange, like, timetable. It's like, it's this is an after-hours trade. It's like, no, it's not. It's the middle of the day in China. It's not after-hours. Actually, it might actually be after-hours in China by this point. I think, is China 16 hours ahead of us? Time. Weird. God, this is, like, one of our biggest digressions. <laughs> no, yeah, it's the middle of the day. It's 11.18 a.m. In, in China right now, in Beijing specifically. Although, doesn't China only do one time zone for their entire country? Uh, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember, so, uh, uh, I think it was, I think it was a Tom Scott video. Uh, him talking about, uh, programming for time zones. And why you should just, you know, copy and paste up code from the net. Yeah. Yep, there's a there are two time zones in China, although there's only one like national t- time zone, but then another place, oh, Xinjiang? I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. You're not. Um <laughs> they they have their own local time zone that the city operates on, which is 2 hours behind Chinese standard time. So there there you go. It's the middle of the day in China right now. Their market should be open, probably is. Anyways, uh, what, uh... I don't know anymore. What's next? <laughs> that, that's it for our two news topics. I mean, we've got the other one that was a Community Corner topic, so... Yeah. Uh, how can people get to us in the Community Corner before we well, discuss this? Well, if you wish this... to contact us, vglpodcast at gbl.com, tweet us vglpodcast, or just drop it in the Discord. You can find out, uh, find a link to that on vglpodcast.podbean.com. Specifically, where all these keep turning up, is in the uh, Discord chat feedback suggestions, which this was Thank intended you, to be show feedback, but uh, it, it has just become where people, mostly Jim, but people are dumping links to things that we wind up talking about in the show. So yeah, just put stuff in there. Just put it in the, in the suggestions. I think I'm going to edit the channel right now to just say, what, suggestions? No, I'm going to... Submissions... Slash suggestions. How do you how do you feel about that? Um. Well, are you gonna miss an E? <laughs> I don't think so. Should I miss an E? Uh, it's a joke for the Discord itself. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, it sounds good. That way, nobody will, nobody will put it in it there anymore, and they'll uh, put it somewhere else, right? Yeah, it'll sh- just show up in the general cat in cat general chat general cat. Uh, general, uh, general cat, uh, uh, yeah, uh, 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 three star general, <laughs> or a rock star general, huh? huh? No. Rock star pays ten thousand dollars to a modder who fixed GTA Online's loading. Yeah, times. which is their standard bug bounty or security bounty. Uh, so, uh, this is uh, a follow up to a couple weeks ago where uh, a uh, modder figured out. Oh yeah, Rockstar, your code sucks. Uh, the uh, yeah, the, the easiest way I've seen people visualize just 
why it was taking so long was imagine a phone book and you're trying to look up somebody's uh, number. Now, for most people, they would uh, be able to go pretty quickly to it. The way that the Rockstar's uh, multiplayer started up, when it was getting to the item manifest, it would go first name, check it. Then go back, first name, second name, check those. First name, second name, third name, check all those. First name, second name, third name, fourth name. To the tune of a couple billion checks when there's something like 65,000 items. So, you know, a slight (laughs) uh, uh, leak there, plus some other random fixes that this guy found. And the patch has already been deployed on PC. And I've seen people saying that uh, going from single player to multiplayer is now, for some of them, less than a minute, 30 seconds, uh, 45 seconds for some. So they're going to make so much money for this fix. huh? Yep. So many I shark mean, cards. If, it, and if, if my only, like, this is one of my big issues. This is not my only issue. But, like, if, you know, if my only issue was just the loading times, that would make me want to come back and play. I mean, it's, it's not. GTA Online sucks. But. No, no, you know, no. Tell me how it, you really feel. How, how does it compare to uh, Red Dead uh, Redemption? I mean, Red Dead Redemption is, is a much better game than GTA Online because Red Dead Redemption is single player. I have to deal with people's bullshit. I mean, yes, I know there's the online component to Red Dead Redemption, but fuck that. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> indeed <laughs> but yeah it looks like so uh, I, it looks like they put out this patch pretty quickly and I, I i do have to say that it is rather refreshing to see a developer say oh yeah uh, yeah we should have fixed that uh, uh thanks instead of just sweeping under the rug or you know call it an exploit and ban it i i'm yeah and i i have to say you know what credit where credit's due they did that. That doesn't make them any less shitty of a company overall, or make better games than they actually do. Like, that doesn't change that. But I'll give them credit for this thing that they did. Because I totally... I mean, we talked about this when, when we had it a couple weeks ago. We were like, yeah, you know, at best, they'll just ignore it, but they'll probably, like, ban this guy, and market as, like, a modern exploit, and ban people who use it, and you know, all of that stuff. Because to be fair, that's their track record with these things. But hey, you know what? A broken clock is right twice mm-hmm. a day. Unless it's digital, in which case it just doesn't work anymore. Unless it's noon. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, uh, okay, so one person said it took them roughly three and a half minutes before to load from main menu to online. Now it takes them a minute 20. That's still too long. I mean, I get that that's like a massive reduction. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but that's still too long for me. No, thank you. Yeah, and a lot of people are speculating that they knew exactly what the issue was, but... They could never get clearance from the higher-ups, uh, especially some of these people that claim to be in uh, game design, which I, I know. Uh, nobody knows that you're a dog on the internet. But uh, this does kind of ring true that uh, just because they knew how to fix it didn't mean that they had clearance to be able to do it. And they would have to clear it with their manager, and it would be, you know, well, why would you work on that when you'd be uh, yeah, programming uh, the new gun that we're going to be selling for, you know, however a million dollars, right? Yep. However many mi- millions of shark cards. Mm-hmm. So, yep. 
good good for good for rockstar good job guys yeah i'm still and thanks for the update to this jim yeah i'm still a little disappointed that they never put out any of the single player content that they talked about instead just you know i i, I really think that part of the problem is also that uh, gta online kind of uh, they thought it would be somewhat popular but nowhere near as popular as, as it turned out so it was a, a mad scramble and yeah a lot of the code held together with you know, string, bits of uh, tape, uh, some used chewing gum, right? Yeah. And they just don't have time to really be able to go back and revise it to find these issues like, you know, uh, the uh, parser uh, reading the phone book over and over and over again. Uh, because, you know, there's a constant push to have to put out new content to keep the ball rolling, essentially. I've been watching Death of a Game, and that's something that's come up time and time again. Content not uh, either not being there or not being pushed out uh, quickly enough, and you got to keep the treadmill going, right? Yep, got to people, got to keep people coming back to this, the old Skinner box. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, make them you know, do their dance. Ways... <laughs> yep, there's definitely ways to do that that are that are better or more ethical <laughs> than others, for sure. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's all psychological hooks. It's all, uh, you know, a Skinner box one way or the other. Yeah. So, yeah. That does it for our Community Corner news this week. Um, and we definitely have enough time for a Discovery queue. So, hit, hit so the for the first do. time in a few weeks. Yep. Let's, we'll hit him with the music. And, and I know you had your queue pulled up and ready uh, to go. Of course I did. So I'll let you go so, first. So, Star Dynasties. It's like Dynasties, only in the stars. Uh, essentially, uh, reviews are saying uh, Crusader Kings in space. Some very mixed reviews, though, which uh, it's an early access title, so that's actually not to be you know, surprising. Uh, mainly due to it's kind of uh, flubbing uh, the sci-fi element. It just doesn't really do a lot, and it's trying to just be Crusader Kings with a different skin on it. Which isn't bad in of itself, but at the same time, right? Yeah. It's one to look out for, though. I mean, uh, there's always room for another grand strategy, you know, uh, uh, kill your uh, wife, go fuck your cousin, and you know, make a different... Uh, <laughs> uh, right different empire absolutely i mean I, w- I would love to see i i actually would really like to check this out um because i have said on more than one occasion like uh ba- the battletech universe is like game of thrones in space before game of thrones was a thing like with ha- so much backstabbing and like all of the great like feudal lords and stuff like, I, I would love to see that concept done in a sci-fi setting. Yeah. So if this is, like, trying to do that, more power to them. I got to put this on my my wish list. Yeah, according to this, they ran two betas in 2020. And they're they're planning on early access being approximately half a year. What is it with people thinking early access is going to be six months? I don't know. Uh, have you noticed that one? How, how many times Not- it comes up, uh, you know, uh, a year, uh, less than a year thinking uh, after... Uh, their initial launch on early access. And this one just yeah. launched uh, today, it looks like. Sweet. Yeah, I'm going to be looking into that. If I hadn't, if my first thing hadn't popped up, I honestly might just roll the dice and buy it. But my first thing popped up. 
which is X4 Cradle of Humanity. <laughs> so this is like the big or the second big expansion for the X4 game, um, which includes a bunch of new star systems and ships, an entire new like planetary, like there's terraforming now. Um, I didn't realize that this was coming out right now. Like I knew it was coming out this year, um, and it looks like it released uh, today, actually. So no. I will almost certainly be buying this. I, I think I'm going to go look and see like um, some of the big streamers and YouTubers that, that play X4 before I just like pull the trigger and buy it and see if it like horribly broke the game again. Um, again, yeah. Before I buy it, but odds are I will be buying that this uh, this week or this weekend to start playing it. Yeah, I really need to get um, back into uh, the X series. Maybe go back to X three and take a look at that one again. I, I have a really hard time going back to X three afterwards. X three because of its um, because it's older, it runs better mm-hmm. than X four. But why well, do I have X four at all? Yeah, the changes to the the UI in particular. Um, the modernization of that and how much better it controls than the old system makes X3 really hard to play. Now, there might be a mod that fixes that. There's a bajillion mods for for the X series, but I have not gone to look to see if there's one that does it. But, yeah, the the user interface for X4 makes it really difficult to go back to the previous previous games. So, Europe? Yeah, so... I got what looks to be a retro game that's uh, having a new release on Steam. So why the hell not? And I'm seeing a lot of people talking about this, but I don't recognize it. So it might just be console generation that I missed. Stubbs the Zombie and Rebel Without a Pulse. I know Stubbs the Zombie. I think that was the original Xbox game. Okay, that's probably why I don't know it then. So Steam release for a, a, a game that you would have a pain to play these days because original xbox is in that area where it's tough to emulate uh, and a matter of fact the original xbox itself is also it does as far as i know doesn't have a proper emulator yeah i don't think it does i mean it it might but i don't think it does i think it's got one that's like work in progress and there are a few specific games that have been emulated but not an emulator in the same way that you know, a lot of Nintendo consoles and the PS2 and whatnot have been emulated. Yeah, uh, the Xbox was always a lot harder to emulate in general. Uh, uh, as far as I know, uh, PlayStation and PlayStation 2 have been emulated with work on PlayStation 3 now. But all the Xbox consoles just have had issues just because of uh, the anti-piracy and uh, the tricks they used in them. But yeah, uh, if you wanted to go play that, there you go, right? Yeah. Reviews are saying that this is basically just a port, like, that actually works. Because mm-hmm. apparently there was a PC version previously that was busted as hell. But this is just, like, a port that works. I honestly don't remember Stubbs the Zombie being good or memorable. It might be, but... a c- yeah, in retrospect, though, right? Yeah, it might be. I don't know. Um, Alright, so my next one, did I actually copy-paste it? I did, okay. Loop Hero. Um, this is a Devolver digital oh, boy. game. <laughs> Um, the Lich has thrown the world into a timeless loop and plunged its inhabitants into never-ending chaos. Wield an expanding deck of mystical cards to place enemies, buildings, and terrain along each unique unique expedition loop for the brave hero. So I'm not sure, like, this seems like a bit of a, like, an 
almost like maybe a tower defense game in a sense of like you're creating the path for sounds almost reverse tower defense. Well, that's what I was thinking at first, but it's saying you're like you're building. I I don't know. It 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 sounds interesting and different from just about anything I've ever seen or or heard of before. The art style is is very retro, feels very much like a '90s, mm-hmm. like a mid '90s PC game in yeah. the way that it looks. Um, but I mean, Devolver has a pretty solid track record, so kind of sight unseen. I would be willing to give this game a shot. It's fifteen bucks. I don't know if I would I would impulse buy it at that, but um, does that have a demo? Uh, looks like this is from Sense. the developer that put out. Please don't touch anything. That's a, a fun, silly game. <laughs> a little bit weird at times. Yeah, but this looks neat. Uh, I'm all about it. Okay, so uh, I talked about this last week, but I wanted to put it properly in the queue. Uh, Forza Horizon Four. If you have any progress whatsoever at the time of recording, do not buy on Steam because there's no crossplay whatsoever or no cross saves I should say uh, according to them due to limitations they are looking into it but I want to hold my breath and supposedly there's massive technical issues on the Steam version for whatever reason so this is an anti uh, uh, suggestion if you want to play it spend a dollar go get Game Pass Yeah. so I got one that looks weird and feels odd to me given the current year all of that jazz but this is called the tenants free trial i don't i don't know if this is like like a mobile game port or something um but it says become a landlord and deal with problematic tenants as you build your rental empire will you rent your apartment to a college couple or an elderly lady with four cats try it yourself for free looks like it's an early access game that's coming out Uh, if you go to the developer you can see it Okay. So this is essentially so this is like demo. a demo. A demo, yeah. I don't know how I feel about this and the way that it's being sold. Like, it seems like someone was like, huh, the house building part of The Sims seems like the most interesting thing, which, you know, is, is perfectly valid. Like, I'm not, like, making fun of that. But it's like, okay, well, let's build a game around that idea. But then the way that it's being presented feels a, a little bit weird to me given the last year and the massive housing crisis, like the context that I'm most aware of being in America and my personal feelings on landlords. I mean, there's definitely room for uh, like a landlord strategy simulator management game. Yeah. Uh, But you have to be very careful because it could, you know, you can start to get into some questionable territory and, uh, or it could just be boring. Yeah. So, yeah. So, there there you go. You're up. So, I got... Uh, did I copy and paste this? Uh, no, I didn't. <gasps> you okay? I'm I will... Yep, I'm very excited for, for my next So, one, I got Saviors of uh, Sapphire Wings, Stranger of Sword City Revisited. So, a... Oh, no. I just saw what yours is. Uh, uh, so a RPG with some visual novel in it. Uh, interesting looking. Uh, not a lot of info to go on, and there's not a ton of reviews. There's a whopping 15 reviews. Uh, but game similar to games you played, uh, Divinity Original Sin. <laughs> Probably off all the tags. It looks like some people are having issues with it loading, others aren't. So... 
Take that with a grain of salt, especially with a forty, fifty dollar game. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. There's uh, not a lot of info on this one. I'm not sure if it's just a very niche title or if it's just because it just released. But even then, you usually at least see some more info. But yeah, yeah. Okay, so right, go ahead, get it out of your system. I got Honey Pop Two Double Date. Yay! So Honey Pop, very popular. Uh. Dating, match three, puzzle, somewhat choose-your-own-adventure game that I just adored a few years ago and played to completion with, like, dated all of the girls. And then they said, like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a sequel. And that was years ago. And I've heard a thing or two pop up here and there about it, but honestly, I'd kind of just written it off. I was like, okay, they're done. After they did, like, the Honeycam Studio, and that was, like, a huge flop. Um, what was a porn game with no nudity? <clears throat> right. Which, I mean, honestly, like, I can deal with if the gameplay mechanics are good enough. And Honey Pop had a solid game underneath the anime boobies. Um, and this is the sequel. Take a trip to an exotic island paradise for a steamy new adventure and this long-awaited sequel to the popular dating sim puzzle game hybrid, Honey Pop. And the fairy girl's back, and some of the girls from the first game are back, and there's new girls... I'm very excited. Yes, and you're also eager to play it. Yeah. Okay, so on the other end of the spectrum, <laughs> <laughs> I got Ecosystem, a uh, simulator where you're building an aquatic ecosystem. With This has some very spore-like elements, it feels like, where it has procedural generation for the uh, fish and how they move. And there's some weird, weird creatures that they show. Uh, it reminds me, there, late 90s, early 2000s, there was a kind of a craze uh, right around uh, when Spore came out of like all these little evolution games. Of, you know, uh, release a bunch of creatures and uh, evolution takes place and, you know, essentially software toys. And this feels a lot like that. It is early access, though, so be careful of that. But it does have a demo. And they're expecting uh, early access to be a a year to a year and a half. Which seems a little bit more realistic than, eh, six months. Six months. We can do it in six months. I just got stubs. Moving on past that. Uh, Oh, my. Let me guess. This is a free-to-play mobile. Uh, I don't know if it's mobile or not. But, man, there's a lot of... A lot of breasts exposed for our pleasure in that one, so... League of Maidens. Look that up if you're interested. I'll just move along from that one. I don't see any nipples, but this sheer amount of boobage is like, you know what, I'm just not gonna... not gonna risk it. Um, but I will be coming back to that one later. Oh, my. Uh, so yeah, te- technically, I guess you could count that one. And then I got an Ecosystem, which you just mm-hmm. talked about, which looks very pretty. So, should I talk about another one, then? Yeah, go for it. So, Dungeons & Dragons Dark Alliance. Uh, the Dungeons & Dragons uh, uh, games, kind of, uh, it's kind of in the same place as the Warhammer games, where there's a lot of uh, kind of mediocre ones, and then there's a few good ones. So, this is RPG filled with real-time combat and dynamic co-op. Make of it that what you will, right? That's supposed to release right. in June. So, yeah, I mean... Can't really tell a lot of exactly what this game is like from all the screenshots because it's all feels like uh, yeah pre-rendered bull shots, right? 
Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons. Ooh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so I got one that you would be much better suited to talking about than I would. Let me click on the right thing here. It is old school RuneScape. Oh boy. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll just read the thing. The best retro fantasy MMORPG on the planet. Old school is RuneScape, but older. This is the open world you knew and loved, but as it was in 2007. Old school is shaped by you, its players, with regular new content fixes and expansions voted for by the fans, and it's free to play. So, is this, like, literally yeah. the actual, like, RuneScape yeah, thing, like and then now they've put it on Steam? Because I know that RuneScape does this. Like, don't they run, like, classic yeah. servers or whatever? Yeah, they do. So, there you go. Now you can get your RuneScape on Steam if, if you if you still play. Yeah, I had to do a little bit of digging because I got a couple uh, really shitty games and then I got a couple porn games. Hanging out with Jared far too much. So, Rain Simulator, the realistic multiplayer architectural management sandbox, farm, harvest, hunt, and build. And you might think I'm uh, putting this on as a joke and maybe slightly... But also, I've kind of had a hankering for the old Sim Farm game. And this is definitely not it. This is, uh, yeah, Boots on the Ground. Uh, yeah, uh, sort of uh, uh, the uh, survival builder uh, from the looks of it. Uh, but huh. but this is looks like it's more sandbox-like than like Farming Simulator. It's interesting. It's an interesting hybrid. Yeah. I have mixed feelings about this. Yeah, not sure. Part what of to me think. is really interested. Part of me is like, this looks like utter. Especially garbage. whenever you look at the developer and see that they put out some real shit. So this might be a, a warning as well. Yeah. So my my queue is done. The back half of my queue was basically things that you had. So I got subs the zombie, Forza Horizon Four, ecosystem, and I got Ranch Simulator right. As my last one, after you had already pasted it, so... Okay, well... That's my queue done. I got two more uh, in my queue, so... I'm not sure what to think about this one. I'm gonna put it in here for you. It's called Luck Be a Landlord. Huh. Okay. Uh, Luck Be a Landlord is a roguelike deck builder about using a slot machine to earn rent money and defeat capitalism. Huh. <laughs> I mean... Uh, this game does uh, not contain any real-world currency, gambling, or microtransactions. The fact that they have to say minute, that, right? Yeah. For a minute, I was like, fuck this. And then it's like, oh, this is very clearly some type of satire or something. So, yeah, sure. Carry on. Oh, it's free. Oh, no, that's a demo. Yeah, it has a free demo, it, it but it's 10 demo. bucks. Uh, uh, oh, uh, game of the year. A dog that you can game. pet. <laughs> You're right. Game of the year. Okay, and the last one... Taking a quick look at this one. Hang on. Okay, this looks like it's a new uh, developer. Okay, so interesting game. Uh, I've seen a few pop up like this of this ilk. Uh, team fight manager where you're managing an esports team. And uh, this one is taking place in a uh, fake uh, uh, arena brawler or, or, or MMO. Uh, it's... Interesting. Looks like there's some severe bounce issues. It's fully released, so take it for what it will. If you, you know, if there's any post-release content updates, 
let's uh, yeah uh, at least it's uh, better than you know the controlling the three bars that they uh, always seem to have in these games right right <clears throat> excuse me doesn't look too bad though looks like some of the complaints are just that's a little bit simple uh, especially with some of the uh, balance in the game but not a ton of uh, these type of games so if you're wanting something that's kind of uh you know building your own uh, esport team uh a little bit of management uh i'm sure there's worst out there uh, that you can deal with and that's the end of my queue as well that's the main reason why i put it on there right okay well hey rage Hit him on them socials. Oh, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, GamingCR, or if you wish to be my friend on Steam, you can do so. Caffeine Rage over there as well. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707. Or you can be my friend on Steam by sending your phone request to JR4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is skinner box but make sure you do a little dance before you tell them that <laughs> yes please do if you do a dance i'll know and then i'll respond and scrolling all are the you, way back you. up to the top uh, once again i was gonna say are you doing a dance now uh, yeah i'm doing my dance of scrolling all the way back to the, the top of the google doc right uh once again you can ta- contact us vgl podcast at gmail.com with your letters voicemails game related topics tweet them to us uh, at vgl podcast or just drop them in the Discord. You can find uh, the link to that and the, uh, the rest of our stuff all on over at bglpodcast.podbean.com. And that also has the show notes, the RSS feed, and... <clears throat> uh, sorry, got a little choked up. Uh, Jared's been rough on my throat this week. What can I say? <laughs> Wink. And if you used to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this all possible. You can find out more over there at patreon.com slash podcast. Our intro downtrod music is on the ground by Kevin McLeod, and our discovery key music is doobly doo, both uh, uh, also by Kevin McLeod. Both can be found at incompetech.com, and as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye.